0: Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Robertson. I'm so glad you're with me today because what an amazing story we are studying today in the scriptures. It's the story of the prodigal son, the most famous story Jesus ever told. Friends, I hope you hear it in a fresh way, in a new way today that speaks to your heart, to your life as it has mine. I hope you enjoy today's edition of Awakened to Grace. Luke chapter 15, we have been in a series this month called Lost and Found. Today, I want to share with you just a few remarks concerning the prodigal son. That is perhaps one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told. You can find it in Luke 15, beginning with verse 11. Approximately, I think it's verse 34. It's a good piece of scripture here. We began this study by examining carefully verses 1 and 2. Because what the scripture says is that Jesus received sinners. If you're going to understand the weightiness of Luke 15, if you're going to understand the significance of this chapter... If you're going to understand the thread that runs through all three of these stories, what you must understand is this text is about salvation. It's about Jesus welcoming sinners. And do you remember what we said last week? The Greek word for receive is quite astonishing. This is why the Pharisees were angry This is why they were grumbling. This is why they were complaining about Christ was because of the way Luke says that he received sinners. It's more than a party. It's more than a dinner. It's more than a gathering. It's more than a get together. It's more than a social club. The Greek word that Luke uses right here means a hyper-receiving. It is the same as receiving family. Isn't that beautiful? Tim Siglin was sharing with me how in one of his translations, he was sharing with me that in the Latin, it actually means to recapture. Isn't that a beautiful thought? And when I think about the sheep that we've already studied, how when the one lost sheep left the fold of 100, what did Christ do? He pursued it. He went after it. Do you know why? Now say amen if you're with me right now. Oh, you do that. I'm going to start preaching and then we're going to be here past lunch. Careful now. Careful now. As I've pondered this and I've truly sought the Lord, what would you have said this Christmas Eve? When I think about the sheep and how the sheep got away from the fold and the shepherd went after him, what is the backdrop of what's happening? It's the fact that Jesus loves sinners. And he goes after them, amen. How many of you can testify today and say, I was that one lost sheep. I didn't come to the Lord because I didn't know where to look. The Lord came for me. Amen. Amen. He pursues us. Thank you, Lord. When I think about the woman who lost the silver coin, which we studied last week. i tell you what is remarkable to me about that story. It's the fact that the coin was always in her possession. Although it was lost, it was still spoken for, it was still claimed. Amen. The shepherd didn't look at the sheep and shrug his shoulders and say, ah, we'll get a new one. The woman didn't lose the coin and shrug her shoulders and said, ah, eh, it's replaceable. No. It's invaluable. And now when we come to the most famous story of Jesus in this series of three unbelievable parables that Jesus tells, the stakes continue to go up. The price continues to escalate. And it goes from a sheep to a silver coin to now a son. And what I appreciate so deeply this Christmas season is that the sheep always belonged to the shepherd even when it was lost. The coin always belonged to the woman, even when it was lost. And the son always belonged to the father, even when he was in a far away country. And what the Holy Spirit has tasked me to say to you today, you who are in your sin today, you who would be a prodigal today, you who are lost today, I tell you what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, that it doesn't matter matter how far you run it doesn't matter how deep into the pit of sin you go you have always belonged to God and you will always belong to God always and that's why no addiction can break that no sin can claim you No relationship can pull you so far from God that he is not in hot pursuit of you. That's why no matter how deep into sin you go, something always draws you back do you know what's drawing you back it's the holy spirit it's because before you were ever formed before you were even in your mother's womb before the foundations of the world were ever laid god knew you and god loved you and god spoke for you and god claimed you hallelujah you belong to the lord you don't belong in that addiction You don't belong in that sin. You don't belong around those people. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. God would say to you today, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to leave your sin. It's time to leave that far country. And it's time to come home. This man had two sons. Verse 11, he had two sons. Verse 12, the younger said to his father, give me my portion. Give me my share of the property. I want it now. What a shameful, and what a disrespectful thing a young man could have ever said to his father. He clearly said to his father, I wish you were dead because when you die, I will get your stuff. And he clearly told his father, you're dead to me and I want what's mine and I want it now. The father shockingly divides the portion, divides the property, the older son would have received two-thirds, the younger son would have received one-third, and he gives him one-third of his inheritance, shockingly. The young man goes into what Jesus calls a far-away country." What that means is Gentile territory. That means he went into a place he had no business being. He was around people he had no business being around. He was doing things he had no business doing. And the Bible says that he spent everything he had on reckless living. Oh, he had all the friends. He had everything he wanted for a season, for a while. But then reality hit. And he began to run out of money. And just when he ran out of money, here the prodigal was who was well in control, so it seemed. He controlled his own destiny. He controlled his future. He knew what he wanted, and he went after it. And he had the world by the tail. But you know how God so often gets our attention? It's when things happen that are beyond our control. And then a famine came. A famine came and he had spent all he had on riotous, reckless living. He didn't have a penny to his name. And everybody around him abandoned him. And here he is in a place of sin. In a place of rebellion, in a place of rejection, in a place of his own choices, his own decisions, his own desires, his own lust, his own pride. He's in a place of his own making. Famine comes to the land and the last resort and Jesus would have shocked his hearers. He shocked the Pharisees. When Jesus said that he made himself available, hired himself out as a servant to feed pigs. Something that a respectable Jewish boy would have never, ever done. Especially coming from the family he came from. He got so low that his job was to feed the pigs And he looked upon the pods that the pigs were eating and longed for even the pods the pigs ate to fill his belly. And Jesus was careful to say, no one gave him nothing. You know, there's a word here to parents who have prodigals right now. The word is this Jesus understands prodigals because not only have they rebelled against you, mom and dad, they're rebelling against the Lord right now. Not only are they hurting your heart, they're hurting God's heart. Not only are they in rebellion against you, mom and dad, they're in rebellion against God. And let me say this to parents bank rolling. Your prodigal sin is a very expensive thing to do because it will never be enough. Eventually, this young man ran out of money. He, ran, he had liquidated every asset he had and there was nothing that not even could fill his belly. And then verse 17, a miracle happened. Verse 17, what has not yet happened for many prodigals listening to me today, but God willing, it will happen for you. He came to his senses. He came to himself. One day he woke up and he realized, what am I doing? Even the servants in my father's house eat better than what I'm eating. Even the servants live better than what I'm living. And I was at one time a son. I need to go home. Oh, there's not a better day in a prodigal's life than when you realize it's time to come home. It's time to leave the far away country. It's time to leave your place of sin. It's time to leave your place of rebellion. It's time to leave your place of pride and arrogance. And it's time to come home. But that was not going to be an easy thing. This prodigal, when he realized it's time to make my way home, by this point he was broke. He was ashamed. He was barefoot. He barely had clothes on. He was hungry. He had hit rock bottom. And let me tell you, precious people, rock bottom is a good place for a prodigal to be because that's when you look up. And he begins to rehearse. I don't know how far away this country actually was, but apparently it was going to take a while to get there. To get home. And he begins to rehearse his lines and he says, I'll say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And I can't imagine the conversation he had with himself all the way home. I can't imagine the scenarios that ran through his head. I can't imagine the imaginary conversations that he had with himself. As he pictured what his father would say, what his brother would say, what the town would say, what all of their extended family would say, what his all of his past friends and, and former people in his life, what were they all going to say when they see him in the condition and the shape that he's in right now? He would be the talk of the town. To see, he had hit rock bottom. There was nowhere else to go. And he begins the long, barefooted trek home with nothing to his name. All the while, he's rehearsing. All the while, he's having these imaginary conversations. But what he didn't know is what many prodigals today don't know. Jesus said that while he was a long way off, a distance away, his father saw him. See, some of you are asking yourself what the prodigal was asking himself. Will my father forgive me? I want to tell you in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit today, God is not forgiving you when you decide to come home. He forgave you the moment you left. He's looking for you. He has his eyes upon you. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. He knows what you're into. He sees it all. And what God feels for you is what the father felt for his son. And when he saw him even a long distance away, the scripture says, he had compassion on him. Amen. Yes, sir. And Jesus calls the mouths of every Pharisee to drop when he vividly paints the picture and says that when the father saw him, he had compassion for him and he ran to him. See, that's something that older men in the Middle East didn't do and still don't do. Particularly in this day of Jewish culture that Jesus was speaking in, Honor was everything. You either brought honor to yourself or shame to yourself. You either brought honor to your family or shame to your family. And let me tell you the one thing the Pharisees could not handle. Shame. And they loved to shame others. Sin always results in shame. But who would have ever thought that the father would shame himself by running to his prodigal son? I have no doubt this prodigal story, this son in the story. I have no doubt that he imagined his father beating him when he got home. That's what a good Pharisee would have done. A good Pharisee would have beat The boy into submission. He would have beat him for squandering his inheritance. As a matter of fact, he absolutely would not have come back to the family as a son. He would have come back to the family as a servant, and he would have worked decade upon decade upon decade to maybe win his way back. That's what the Pharisees expected. That's what the cultural norm would have been. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus said that when the father saw him, he ran toward him, he had compassion for him, and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. That is not the welcome the prodigal expected. And then he called his servants and he says, come now, put a robe on him. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine having tattered rags as clothing. Can you imagine how smelly they were? Friends, they didn't have Tide Sticks back then. You didn't. Being a blind man, I love Tide Sticks. Oh, man, that's... You should see a blind man eat soup. It's... Can you imagine having a job of feeding pigs Could you imagine going home to the abundance and the wealth of your family and you smell like a pig trough? Be assured it's what he smelled like. And yet his father says, put the best robe on him. That ought not be. He said quickly, put his ring, put my ring on his finger. That was the father's authority. That was significant. Scholars tell us that ring would have had the family seal within it. And he said, put shoes on his feet. You know, I believe he squandered everything so much that maybe, maybe one of the last things he pawned were his shoes. I just have a hunch. That's why it's the last thing his father said, put shoes on his feet. He gave him his dignity back. And what did his father say? Kill the fatted calf. We're going to eat good tonight. We're going to celebrate. And why the celebration? Because this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but is now found. The whole point of Luke 15 is that God has one supreme joy it's when a sinner repents. And the reality is, Satan is telling many of you, God will never forgive you. If anybody knew better, you knew better. If anyone sinned with a high hand, you have sinned with a high hand. If anyone knew the Bible, you knew it. If anyone has ever walked away from God, you walked away from God. And Satan would tell you God is angry. He'll tell you he won't take you back. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know today that is not true. God forgave you the moment you left. God wants to receive you right now. God wants to put a new robe A new ring, a new shoes on you right now. Do you know why? Because his greatest joy is you turning from your sin. All of heaven will rejoice. Let's bow our heads right now. Are you a prodigal today? Have you been in a faraway country? If so, I want you to say this right now in your heart. I want you to say it right now in your heart. By faith, I want you to say this. I want you to say, God, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I don't know who you are. (laughs) I can't even see you. But God sees you today and he brought you here today. He's got you listening online today. He has your attention today. And for everything that tells you you're too far gone, the truth of the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not.